And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to episode nine of The Approach. I'm impressed you're still counting. Yeah, I mean, after we get to 10, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. So, I mean, we could always do like Roman numerals, like Rocky style. And then, I don't know, <laughs> trail off after six, yeah. I guess. Episode XXIVCM. That means we'll, we'll probably be dead by then. Yeah, for sure. I don't know <laughs> if I want to keep doing it that far. <laughs> that seems like it was in the thousands with that last M at the end. That threw me off. <laughs> it's true. So, I, I gave you a quick, uh, I didn't want to tell it to you because I didn't want to spoil the surprise, but I have breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. For those who've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, I know this is going to be very important to all of you, especially to Jeremy. Uh, I watched Twister yesterday. You watched Twister? Yeah, it did not hold up. I was not impressed whatsoever. <laughs> to the point where Kate even said to me, you have to remember this was this this was made in 1996, which I believe our guest wasn't even born yet when that came out. But yeah, it did not hold up. I was not impressed by it. Nothing about it had me in any enthusiasm for it. What's going on, Matt? All right, we're going to take a quick pause because Matt has come in and notified Jeremy that he has a phone call. <laughs> Duty calls. All right, so we got that phone call over with. Was it exciting and everything you'd hoped for and more? It was actually kind of comical. It was one of our league bowler presidents. Okay. Uh, he said, you'll never never believe what I just did. I lost your card. I, you know, I need to email you the the, uh, the rosters for the league. I said, oh, okay, no, no problem. And so I read out the email, and then he realized that he called me from the card he was looking for. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been brought up in the past that a lot of times bowlers and house bowlers aren't the youngest, most tech savvy generation, but, you know, they're trying and they show up and we appreciate it. And hopefully at some point he listens to this podcast and realizes we made fun of him. So do we <laughs> want to get back to Twister or do we just want to get Josh in here? All right. The only thing that's good about Twister, in my opinion, I mean, it's a decent movie, but you know what? The soundtrack is much better than the actual movie. Yeah. I mean, there were some bangers in, in the movie. I'm not going to lie, but the whole concept, I mean, from the <laughs> get go, let go of the door, stupid, you know, fly away. His grip strength is that good, but his common sense is good enough to let go. of the door. I'm not going to hold it. Then let go. <laughs> the rest of the family survived, stupid. Let's get Josh in here. All right. Well, good afternoon, Josh. How are you? Good. How are you, Jeremy? How are we doing? <laughs> Everyone's good. Everyone's great. We're doing yes. great. <laughs> We're doing great. I think that's a throwback to another podcast. Everyone's fine. <laughs> Everyone's wonderful. So okay. how was your driving? Oh, traffic, let's say. <laughs> well, you still beat me in with my four-minute commute, so. Yes. He's the, he's the only guy who lives probably closer than Stu Bergman and is yeah. still late. I could walk here faster than you can drive here, and you still beat me here. So, And I didn't walk here. <laughs> yeah. But no, so, this is this is good because this is the first time we're getting you know somebody who just come out of the youth programs you know together. Now you won. Did you win junior league states? Uh, yeah, twenty sixteen I won. Twenty seventeen came up short, and then twenty eighteen my last year I ended up winning. I won the ICBA and the internationals one. So the ICBA one was at Portsmouth they did, and the other one was at Academy. I won okay, that one. so twenty eighteen I think was the first year that I went up with our kids league. And so was Bobby Brown your coach? Oh, phenomenal guy. And I remember we were talking. He said, you know, how's your group of kids? I said, you know, they're trying. We have a relatively new league. Kate and I have been running the league for, I think, eight years. A lot of the kids haven't started when they were, like, really little. We're also kind of learning to be coaches as well. I think this is really the first year the kids are starting to take it more seriously. And he kept saying, he's like, I got this kid. If he gets out of his own head, he's going to win. Yeah. Pretty sure that was you. (laughs) Of course it was. So. 
uh, always been a little bit of a hothead just because I'm so competitive. Yeah. That's how it is. Like, my competitive nature is much different than you two or the best bowler in the game or someone who's just trying to have fun. I am super competitive no matter yeah. what I do. That's why I used to be getting angry at, like, the easy miss shots because I try to want to make everything I can, but... Not always. In the in the interview we had with Craig, I, he talked about always going to other bowlers and trying to see if he could get better. The story I told, I don't know if you heard it, was I remember we bowled against your team, and you and I were head-to-head. Yeah. Now, you had beaten me. No big accomplishment there. But you weren't <laughs> happy with how you bowled. And I remember you got a little upset. And then after you would calm yourself down, you went over to Craig and started talking about different styles and maybe even slowing the ball down to get more... Uh, accuracy. Do you look for those bowlers like a Craig or other bowlers like that to see yeah. if you can get better? I'm mostly looking for like another lefty bowler just because I'm a lefty. Right. Like Thursday, this past Thursday night, I was all over the place. Boudreaux tells me, slow my feet down. I end up throwing a 145, like out of nowhere. Yeah. And I ended up finishing the night like 402 and 618. And I was just like, I slowed my feet down. And a terrible start, but finished good. It's just I'd rather look for somebody who throws the ball the same as me. Yeah. But also other bowlers pros who are more experienced I always ask them too but right and I think for somebody like Craig who you know still throws the ball hard like they've been bowling for so long they have to adapt over time as well and there's only so many times you can throw that ball as fast as you do you know how fast you throw the ball uh so do we have Bob Lee doing frames per second he said <laughs> Bob Lee said I had a clocked in around like 40 41 okay so I know he said Keith was one higher than me but yeah. I don't try to throw the ball fast. Like, no. It's no, just, I mean, it looks natural. It, it is natural. It's funny because it's, it's working at a bowling alley here. Like, I had uh, a couple that bowled. I'm sure they're not going to listen so I can make fun of them. And it was a boyfriend-girlfriend. The girlfriend ended up beating the boyfriend. He goes, well, I bowled faster, so technically I won. And I said, I've seen a lot of guys throw fast balls right down the gutter, and it doesn't seem to get them any points. <laughs> so if, if you're just out there trying to throw the ball hard, I don't think you're ever going to no. be good. So one thing that I'm, I'm jealous of this, like your generation, and even like the generation before that, like oh, I didn't have the opportunity just because I didn't know about them, like internationals, the Youth Travel League. Or do they still travel, or is it just strictly in Wolverine? Well, no, so they, I believe they had to cancel it because of COVID. Right. But now I believe what I saw is Aaron Halbadell of Masons is taking it over. Oh, okay. It was a great league. It's fun. It's something I always look forward to the years. That's a handicap league, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's a 100% handicap. Because we were t- uh, reached out to, we were doing that, I right. think, a couple of years ago before COVID. Yeah, Bobby's been trying to get, get us to do that forever. Yeah. And that's where um, I met some of my closest friends that I still talk to this day is from that league. So when I got to see them, once a month, because some would live in Alley Cat near Kingston, some would live in Pilgrim. Well, not Pilgrim anymore, but right. Academy and these other, the Bogey Lanes kids, these other leagues, I didn't even know. I right. mean, I knew, but I never went to them unless it was a Kennel for Kids event or a travel league. Other than that, you caught me at Central Park Lanes in Woburn. I bowled Woburn in the morning when I was younger, and then go to Central from 1 to 3.30 and bowl the other two, the other three games. But yeah, at, at Fairway, Helen never, she never advertised any of these youth events or these, com- and I feel like I could have really, that really would have helped me because I, I, I sucked as a kid. That was terrible. <laughs> I did. We kind of got fortunate with, with our house. Not that I would ever say that a house closing is a good thing because it's absolutely not, but here we had a kids league. I want to say we ran it for maybe a year or two. Kate would know more about this than I would. And it was more of just an activity for them to do. Yeah. And then when FICO's closed, they had a semi-competitive league. And when they came over, that's when they brought up the instructional league and states and things like that. And I think that's one of the reasons we got certified. Um, as a house, the ICBA and MBA certifications. Yeah, it was. So we could send 
both kids and adults to states. And then I think going there, I remember my nephew who aged out of the kids league, I want to say it was the year that you won, was bowling in that. And he was struggling against, you know, he's throwing 70-80s at Academy and seeing other guys, kids throwing 110, 120, and it was frustrating. Yeah. But he's bowling in a league where 80 is, is like, a decent score. Yeah. And now were you bowling against kids on a weekly basis that were throwing hundreds? Yeah, in the Woburn League, it was all fun competition throughout the years. Obviously, when the kids get older through high school, yeah. the competition kind of goes down, but there was still some. But, like, my best friend, Aaron, who lives in Florida, Aaron Souza, he was my biggest competition. I oh, That's a blast from the past. I haven't heard that oh, name in a while. I hated that he was better than me because <laughs> I wanted to be the best. Like him, Charlie Collins, Hunter Collins don't bowl anymore, but my brother bowled a lot, too. And there's come some of a few others that just had competition. But like when I was younger, going up in that league, there was so many people I didn't know, like Chris Potter, Corey General. Just so you know, you're gonna remember a lot more names as soon as we shut the microphone off. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's of course it's gonna happen. But it's those... happening. Corey left somebody off of his world's team, so. <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> so, the, so you're always going to forget somebody. So, yeah. if if Josh left you out and you're sitting there saying, "What about me?" I'm sure as soon as we shut the microphone, yeah. he said your name. So, those, well, those are the kids who were really good. Yeah, and they had a great team. The women, like when I was like 12, 13, 14, whatever, they had a great team for the Delta States, and they would win. And I'm like, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, I want to be the best. I want to win, and. Because one of the things that I've even done with the kids' league, if I notice that they're getting complacent and they're not to say that any score you shouldn't celebrate, but if they're getting, you know, 82, 83 and it's the high score and you can see they're getting a little complacent, I'll bowl against them and just say, like, you're not going to be bowling against 80s when you go to states. You're going to be bowling against higher right, scores. Higher scores. I mean, imagine imagine going up to states and bowling against 16-year-old Richie Myrick. Yeah. With, that, set, with 1754, I think. Yeah. You, uh, for, for the 13th straight? Yeah. That, that's just, I'm, <laughs> I'm still, my, it's not right. <laughs> my last year in the kids' uh, states, I had 16-16. That was my highest I bowled. Yeah, bowling. and that's phenomenal, but you still would have lost by 140 pins. Like, <laughs> if I come in second by losing 140 to a 1700, <laughs> I just throw a 16. But, and and it's not to put down your 16, it's just to show, like, when, if you get complacent bowling, water seeks its own level, you need to get that boost. Now, exactly. were you also bowling against adults? Um, during the kids' league? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. I, we won't I get bowled. too into that because I don't want to cause any ripple, but... No, I bowled in a league at Central during the week. That was a good competitive league. Now, do you think that helped? Oh, yeah, definitely. Helped me a lot. But I would bowl there, and then I would bowl Saturdays. And in and out. Yep. And then once the Saturdays were done, that was my league. And then I bowled like a Saturday night league at Central once I was, they allowed me to bowl. But no, it was so much fun. I love the competitive nature. That's why I want to bowl and all these things because I want to be the top guy. Well, if you're bowling around all those Central guys, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's you know. Yeah. Well, because Jeremy, that was your point. You said that coming up, you know, 13, 14, you didn't really feel that competition. No, I didn't. Like, literally, my, my only competition in the junior league was Justin Waters. Yeah, who's still a good bowler now. He's, he's good at everything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so angry. Like, well, it's, like, what did he take, 10 years off and then came back? and? Yeah, well, won. I mean, he, he's he's an assistant golf pro at Marlboro Country Club. He's a ridiculous golfer. I don't know. I mean, he's a great pitcher, good hockey player. I mean, he's just good at everything, and it's enraging. Do you, do you play other sports? 
I play basketball, pick up here and there, but yeah, golf did, I've got into. It's pretty fun. I just hate when I lose the balls. It's, <laughs> it's like, I'm not the best, I'll tell you that, did, but I have a blast. Did you play other play. sports growing up? Basketball, really, but bowling was my main focus. Yeah. That's one of the things Dad had talked about is he liked Candlepin because it's such a hand-eye coordination. You're hearing a lot of other good bowlers that had played other sports and somehow, I think it's something that you can do. You don't have to make the NBA to play basketball yeah. or whatever else. So to stay at a competitive level, if you're not, but bowling, it's a much smaller circle that you can kind of get into any tournament. You don't have to be playing at Madison Square Garden. You can be bowling <laughs> right. at Central Park Lane. So. Yeah. It was also my little thing, like escape from school in reality, because like not too many people knew I went bowling, and yeah. I was bowling on Saturdays. Yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't tell people I went bowling. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I did <laughs> not either. I wanted to keep it. This was like my own thing, and then yeah. once I got older, like I'd post some stuff about it, and they would see it, which is fine. And like when the Kettle for New Kids came out on Nessa, and they announced it in my school, because my mother called them, and I was like, don't do this. You're going to embarrass me. <laughs> but some of them saw it, and they were like, pretty awesome, but... Yeah. Which is funny because, like, Det and Craig were both like, oh, yeah, it was something I always do with my friends. I went bowling with my friends. I'm like, I didn't do any of that with my friends. <laughs> I bowled with my friends when I was, my dad taught me how to bowl when I was a little kid. And I think I bowled one year in a kids' league just for something to do, but it wasn't anything competitive. We didn't go to states. I think it was just you show up and you throw the ball. I had to be maybe, actually, it was 1993, so probably before you were born. Wait so <laughs> I was six. Jeremy was about 34 at the time. So. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't take it seriously. But out of my friends, I was the best bowler. But I'm. That's maybe throwing 70s and 80s. Yeah. Then I joined a league, and guys were throwing. It wasn't a very competitive league, but guys were throwing 90s and 100s. So then I got better there. And I remember it was actually a post Andrew Wozniewski made when I said, "Oh, I went bowling. I threw 97, 94, 92, or something like that. A super consistent night." And then he said he's averaging 117. I said, in Candlepin? Because I'd never seen that before. <laughs> but almost like the Junior League of Water Seeking Its Own Level, it wasn't until I started bowling in these better things yeah. that I myself got a little bit better. So, how, how important was Bobby Brown in, in the youth program? Oh, he would help everybody, no matter who it was, how bad you're doing, how good you're doing. He's still got to find something to do. He'd pick on me the whole time. And... It would help me better, get better because I'm like, I don't want nobody to pick on me while I'm bowling. Like him and Paul D'Antono. <laughs> those two, and Mark Ricci too. Love Mark Ricci. Love all them three. Them three helped me so much throughout my years of bowling. Like Bob helped me become a better bowler. Mark too. Paul. Paul was helping and, Mar and Bob was helping towards the end a lot more. Mark was yep. in the beginning, but he had Riverwalk to take care of. Right. So Dominic didn't bowl after a certain time. But he helped me, so did Bob. Bob's been there like every step of the way. And sometimes like when I'm having a bad time, I just wish he was there and just a Editing's great. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he's and he's still with. I mean, I've known him for God, like twenty five years. And instead of now making short jokes, well, he still makes short jokes. Now he's making bald jokes. I mean, yeah. that's how far we go. Yeah, you know, well, it's easier back. for him because he's higher than you, so he can see it. It's true. I'm happy to have someone like him who had a coach because I was a hothead growing up. I mean, so grown up, but I was also just very angry a lot and everything, but like, he's one of those people that just stuck by me and just mm -hmm. helped me throughout the way too. And it's funny because my mom and my dad are big inspirations of when I want to bowl. Like right. when I was younger, I was like, I want to bowl like my dad. I want to be like him. So my style was kind of like his, but obviously it was different because I'm a lefty and all that other stuff. 
but that's who I wanted. I was like, I want people like my father and just change a few things, and there it is. And my mom, number one supporter, number one yeah, supporter. Yeah, she comes. I, she comes all the time. Yeah. And this is true to this. I love how it, this happens. Every time I'm having a bad time bowling, I give her a call. Yeah. Next thing you know, I pick it up and bowl like my normal self. <laughs> I think sometimes we all need that calming presence. Yeah. You, whatever that may be. Yeah. So like that past ten stringer I did at Lita, I. 307 the first three games and I called her and I was like upset she was come on you can do this and um next thing you know I just started bowling and everything started clicking more oh yeah your back half and then you had what that three three or four game ripoff where you just yeah. tore it up I was about to say it was like 430 440 the yeah, back I think it was the last three yeah something like that so I didn't I knew I was bowling really well and after that double 150 games I was like okay now I'm like either first or second because I didn't want to pay attention but I ended up looking anyways but it didn't get in my head and then the first the back half I saw that I was only up like a certain amount on Jimbo and I come up start off four in a row shut at five 79 half but I missed head pin with a plank behind it for a spare come back tough back half and then I looked in the 10th box ninth box so no 10 and I seen I had 112 and Jimbo had 111 and it was the biggest relief I've ever felt in my life well one of the biggest because I was like there's no way he can catch me now because right. I'm up a good amount of pins on him I had the 247 and the 10 and cut it off the wall mid and just let it, let it out after to win they're like six or seven fell but I was just super happy to actually win something that with that amount of even though it was like 20 something there was still yeah a lot of competition in that Oh, I think it always is. Um, speaking of big games and big competition, Mike Kane had made a post about you having <laughs> saving the best for last at, I'm calling it Mixed Nationals since we yeah, have the Canadians there. Um, you, I was up there watching, my wife was bowling on Daryl Goodwin's team, and I just happened to look over and you were having a hell of a game. Yeah, so it, it's funny. Like, I bowled, I had, I don't know, like, I felt like I could have done better during the games because I had, there was, there was a stretch, five, six, seven games where I was below my average, and I was not, it was not rough. I think a lot of people were below their average. Yeah, but yeah, this mean, was like. People struggle at Academy. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, lately. but I, the thing is, I like bowling at Academy, too. I like <laughs> yeah. the tough, the challenge. Right. But when that five, six, seven game stretch, whatever it was, and I didn't bowl that well, the last game, I forget, we lost, we just lost to a team, and I was just quiet as can be, didn't talk to anybody, but I was still with the team, I just had to let it go, mm -hmm. and then came out, I think I went open the first two or something like that, and I just seen Mikey Kane start hammering Mark, he was making a lot of good shots, but, and then I started throwing them, and I had a span of like six to seven boxes in that string where literally could have had six or seven strikes in a row because either he was a strike or a nine drop. Right. And then the end, I didn't even, actually, I didn't even know how high it was bowling because I was just too busy in the moment. So I come off and the ball left. I threw the double. I was super excited. Then go for the triple at the 10th frame and get like a five fill or something like that. And I didn't realize that I needed only a few more pins to take the high single of the tournament. But... At the time, I didn't even know. I wasn't yeah. even paying attention. I just knew that I had a bowl to win. That's, right. That's what I find like a lot of people do when they throw their high strings. They're like, I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I can't do that. I try so hard, but I'm always like, I always look up at the score. Yeah. It's just a, a reactionary thing. I have a, I have a big problem with that. I look up at the score a lot. So sometimes I peek up the score just to see where I'm at real quick. Yeah. But other than that, I can't be like, oh, make this fill and then get that and then you get that. I just I'm peek always, at the score. I'm always doing math in my head. And just bulk. That's because I peak. I'm like, oh, how many we got left? A couple turns, make it big, and 
Also said the same thing. He's like, yeah. He goes, I don't pay attention. He goes, yeah. I just. Well, I think well, it was I harder on TV. I don't think. Could you see your score back? Channel 50 used to have a scoreboard off to the side. Okay. Uh, you could see it. Channel 5 had had one also, like a written scoreboard. So okay. they, they could see. Comcast, I don't... I think they just had your score up on the thing. Because I know for a while at New England Candlepins, you couldn't see your score. Because I was doing a whiteboard <laughs> for you guys for a little bit. Because hey, we paid we had, you for that. Did, yeah, I think the company <laughs> paid me for that. Um, now, you were bowling head-to-head in that match. I know it's a team event, but you were bowling head-to-head against Mark Ricci, correct? Yeah. Now, I asked Amy Doobie a similar question. She was talking about her 480. She threw it against Lynn Thompson, who went 406. Do you think bowling against a bowler the caliber of Mark Ricci makes you bowl better and maybe you don't rip off those seven or eight in a row if you're not bowling against a bowler of that well, caliber? no. So I take it every match, is every string, everything's important because I can bowl against somebody who, say, is per se 110 average for the tournament when they're about seven, eight pins higher, mm-hmm. and they can still buck 40 right yeah. in my face to my 115 and it's like I can't I don't take anything lightly but when I bowl with someone like Mark or even like Baker on a league I always I always want to bowl better right just because you're bowling with them and it's like you're, I'm just trying to show them like you I belong can, I can yeah. belong here I can hang with you for now but right not like you before I couldn't touch that but they they also got it. But no matter what, I love bowling against a good competition because it makes me want to do better. Want yeah, to I mean, I, I still think that brings up your level. Yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna level you up. And bowling around those guys is yeah. Is, I think there's an intensity too that you're not gonna is. get against bowling against you know 110 is what what you were saying. Yeah, I mean Tommy told a story that one of his hardest matches he was averaging 130 and he was bowling against the name escapes me a guy who had a 118. And he couldn't get away from him until the last two boxes. And I think sometimes that that can yeah, you but, almost get trapped. But even a guy averaging one eighteen can throw a four. You know, oh, of can, course, but I'm just can saying, throw a four hundred. Like, I mean, Tommy's averaging one thirty. He's averaging one thirty. I mean, <laughs> what do you say on paper? Who's going to win? Like on paper, yes. Yeah. No, that I, I get what you're saying. Now you also are one of the few to bowl in the worlds as a teenager too. Yeah, that was an awesome moment. I. 2018, I wish I got a better chance. I know we bowled together for like eight games, but... Well, you didn't come up till Thursday, right? Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday, I think it was. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, but I had school, and I really want... I was yeah. like, it was like finals week, and I was like, oh, I didn't want to do this because I was like, I just want to bowl. Right. That's it. So I ended up after bowling. Actually, no, it was Wednesday because I let out of class early and I zoomed all the way up to academy. Oh, okay. I was driving like as fast as I could because I was happy. The first game I come up there. I was about to see you walked off the street and went like 144. 141 <laughs> the first game and then threw 89 the second game. I remember like, talking to Jeremy. It happens like that. We could have used Josh Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there was a lot of games that were so close. Yeah, obviously but, you had to do school, but I mean, he, he caught notice and you're still a young kid at the well, time. Well, that was I mean, the thing. Like, I mean, I, I knew the name. Like, I knew your name. Like, I I had heard that. I'm like, I haven't really seen him bowl. Walks off the street, you see him fire, go, oh, God. <laughs> like, holy, yeah. holy crap. And then that last match I had there against Maria's team. Oh, yeah. That was like, that sets up there for one of my favorites because I had Surrett watching me bowl. And yeah. me, just Surrett watching you bowl and you start your high triple against Maria's. Even though it was the last game, it's still, it's still an important match. Like, of course. And it was just a great time. But it was funny. I threw like a spare strike in the end, and 
John Winchell was, was bowling against Bobby the first two, or Bobby and then John, because I think they're giving John average. Yeah, I, th- I think you were bowl. I think you finished up against uh, Winchell. Yes, I did. And he goes, drop a dime on it. Like I threw a nice spare in the end, and just threw an absolute hammer in the tenth or whatever it was, and I was just. Well, I, I remember actually that was one of the things that I actually remember most about that match because I I want to say yeah you dropped the hammer. And then he turned around and looked at you and pointed at you and said, do it again. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even think, no, I dropped nine, I think. And then I dropped another hammer, I believe. Oh, okay. But, but it was, it was. I mean, Winch was one of those guys who will support anybody, yeah. you know, who's who's bowling well. He's a great dude. I like him, too. He's a great yeah. guy. Simple form, and it just guy just it's tears been, it out. It's been, it's been the same for 20 years. I know. As long as I've known him, anyway. <laughs> Now, one of the things we've talked about with people who've been around for 40-plus years bowling is back in Channel 5 days, the no fist bumps, the we weren't friends on the lanes, we were all friends off the lanes. But you're coming up in an era where everybody's friends. Yeah. John Winchell's congratulating you. Do it again when you're bowling against them. Do you wish you had that intensity of we're not friends on the lane, or do you think that that's good for the game that we're all supporting each other? It's good, and I feel like it's too much at sometimes because, like, if you're really really like need to win or you guys are making this big run you kind of don't want to talk to anybody right you want to just be let's go in there let's take everybody's names in the last few games and call it a day right but like with my friends this past mixed tournament the second match i bowled against cole cole fry is like great bowler one of my good friends and i like it's funny because i got on the lane and just like smiles like <laughs> i could not stop smiling the whole time and i was like because I know we're both good, and this is something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. But I, I ended up edging him out that game. But it was just I had so much smiles, and it made me happy to bowl one of my friends. But other people sometimes, like, yeah, I'm going to act like it. Like, <laughs> we got gotcha. you. Am I allowed well, to say douchebag? No. Yeah, you can I, say no. whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think one of the big reasons that it's okay to be congratulatory in Canelpin versus, say, soccer is if somebody throws a double strike in your face, you can't stop them. No. You can throw your own double strike, but you can't stop somebody from bowling well. Yes. Where I think it's different if it was, say, soccer and you're a goalie and somebody shoots and you miss, you're not going to get up and go, great shot. You're going to be like, oh, I missed. (laughs) I think that's the big difference is they're not throwing a great game despite you. They're doing their own thing. You're doing your own thing. You still want to do your thing better than they're doing their thing, but it's not a result of you playing poor defense. Yes. Like this past week's tournament, again, there was this kid. I didn't know who he was. He was a main kid. or um, No, what's her name? She bowls in the Sunday Pro. I forget her name. Whatever, I'll know it later. Usually that works. Yeah. Her kid, bowling against him, I don't know who he was, tall dude, throws on the hand, backspin, and it was a very fast ball and has like the same kind of like comment as I do, and rips a triple right in my face. And I was getting nervous because I'm like, I really don't want this guy. I don't know him. I don't want him to throw a four-backer <laughs> right at me. But I ended up throwing like strike spare too, like towards the end. He almost threw a four-backer, I'll tell you that. And that would have been like... It's one of those things that you I mean, don't... You can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. It's one of those things you don't want to happen to you, but you like to see it happen to somebody else just yeah. because it's like, oh, throw a fullbacker against me. Like, it's something like that. But he, he bowled great that game. I bowled great. It was nice to see somebody just rip a triple right in the... Especially Academy, because I don't think there was many triple strikes there the whole weekend. Yeah, I don't think there yeah. was. I had, I had one fullbacker thrown at me. Yeah? Who threw that? In the playoffs, my first time at the Worlds. It was Billy Travers. <laughs> he was back from his uh, MLB strike. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got pulled pretty quick. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard to balance a four-packer in your oh, first oh, world. It, it was the first four boxes because, like, I got up. He he throws a hammer. I don't know, nine box. He get, throws a double. All right. Uh, my, my, I, I think I had, like... 36 through 4 and he's sitting on a 4 bagger and, and, and um, when, it was either Winchell or, or Rich Clark he's just like uh, we're going to have Chester Cove going for you I'm like okay that makes everything a lot easier <laughs> did he up your average at all when he came in for it? Uh, he might have that was you know that was a lot of fun that was a good team for my first first Worlds and it was it was me Peter Pereira John Winchell Rich Clark uh Chester Cove's first time, Brian Feast and Scotty Creighton. That was a that that was a lot of fun. When you now you won a pro series event, right? Yes, I did. Doubles? Yeah, without Mike McGinty. Now the rumor is you carried him. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) all right, so in the in the beginning we bowled he had I think I had five eighty eight and he had five eighty five. There's three pins. And Matt Nichols, a good friend of ours. He's, well, he's good, another young bowler, yeah, too. Yeah, he's a good I, one. I think he's one that I don't think people realize like how young he is. Yeah, he's also a clown, too. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> he's a clown. So, like, he that's our running joke because he just says, oh, you got carried. So, realistically, he only, I only got him by three pins. But Matt ended up missing that cut by, like, one pin or something like that. So, like, I throw that back at him on purpose because he's, <laughs> he instigates a lot. But and then in the knockouts... There was he, Mike went seven seventeen in the five games. Oh God, he was just exploding. I mean, I don't. I probably hit six something. I don't know. But yeah, I was bowling in some matches where even though he bowled good, I had to make shots in the end to win. Yeah, like now, what for, was what was the format of that pro series event? It was a five string qualifier, and then it was knockouts. Okay, I think top eight got the buy, but we didn't get the buy. We just got in, so which was really nice. Yeah, do you remember who you had to go through? Oh yeah. <laughs> tough lineup actually first match I believe it was Johnson and Myrick them two bowling together are phenomenal yeah. the two of them are fun to watch they really oh, are really are and then we were down 16 at the half I made two marks in the end to win and then we had I think it was Slink and Baker we beat wow uh, Witt and Zappy Jesus we had the Allards Bob and Danny yeah they both game before that just threw back to back 130 somethings sometimes so, it's a better time to catch somebody Right after they both yeah. had highs. Yeah, and then McGinty and I went like, I think 399 or just because I ch- janked the fill in the end to hit the 400 <laughs> or the 300. But, um, and then we had Sarah and Barbara in the finals. And I was nervous. That's, that's a hell of a run that right is. there. I was nervous. You had no buys. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, the bowling Sarah and Baker. I mean, Barbara. Barbara, thank you, Sarah and Barbara. And I'm like, dude. And then I only had like a 1 0 something that game, but like, Mike threw one forty something right out of the gate, yeah. and I was just like, I stayed with Jeff. Throws a strike, I made a nine drop in like the eighth or ninth just to beat them. And while before we shake hands, I just grabbed Mike and give him a hug, and he's like, "Dude, let us shake hands." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I'm excited right yeah, now." Yeah, and I felt like it's our first time bowling, and you know how you know when the crowd's behind you. Yeah, I didn't think we were the favorites in that <laughs> match at all because. Everybody knows that team, Sorette and Barber. It's funny because even here during Outrun the Bear, you have a lot of those North Shore bowlers. They travel very well. And there's been times where there'll be a North Shore bowler in the Final Four against three of our house bowlers, and the home crowd definitely feels like it's for the North Shore bowler because (laughs) they they travel well. 
it's always good when you have a team behind you. Yeah. Or so just people, your friends, family, whatever. Right. Um, 2019 Worlds in Moncton, I threw my high five, 728 in singles, my first time bowling. And I said to my mother, I was debating on bowling or not, she was just bull. Ended up throwing that, super excited, almost had a four bagger in that one too. And um, come up the night, I had to wait like two and a half, three hours, which is the only thing I wish I didn't have to do. Cause, and then I was the one seed and I versed, I don't know, top 32, I think it was. I don't. The 20, is it 24 or 32? I thought it was 24. Okay, whatever. Yeah, because top eight get a buy. Okay, so whatever it was, I just bowled and I had to wait. So now I got some food, had, had a drink or two, and just relaxing because I was like, I got this watch everybody else bowl now after I just bowled my highest. And I'm bowling and I bowl against Travis Toffelmeyer, Canadian guy. Yeah. Bowls out of unbelievable lanes. We were going back and forth and it, he just tied for the last spot. Bold a knockout strength before that yeah. to get the last spot, then come bold me. So this he's already six games fresh. Right. I mean, well, deep, and I'm... You're, you're coming in cold. Coming in super cold. I was practicing for like 10 minutes, and I was like exhausted because I was like <laughs> sitting here and relaxing. You're trying to catch up. Yeah. yeah. And then I had... It was a good match. I took out like the one, two, three on my first ball in the last box because I let it and almost made the shot for the spare. Got the 10... Travis made his and throws the ball left in the ocean. And I'm like, yes. Pin comes off the wall. <laughs> takes a couple more. And he's super excited. And I'm just pissed because I was like, I would have liked to go with a roll. Because throw 178, the fifth, fifth string of qualifying. Throw 128 after a couple hours. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, usually other rounds, that'd be good. But he beat me. And I was just like, the one thing I wish is just... He didn't get that. I wish we tied and went you on, won. but everything happens for a reason. But I had like a whole group of people behind yeah. me. And when I was bowling, I made a shot, I turned around and like, I was so nervous after, cause I seen there was like 15, 20 people behind me. Yeah. Uh, it was mostly all my friends, uh, well the team I'm on now, prices went flooring, but I was with uh, Hatcherman before that. Yep. So all of them were on there. And then I had a couple other friends that were watching me bowl. And another one, Mark Ricci. Yep. The guy loves me. We talked crap to each other all the time because yeah. it's fun but he was there and just I was like guys I, I said to them I go, I've never had a supporting cast like this before just because I was still upcoming but to have 15 probably 15 people around to cheer you on yeah it kind of you got a little pressure on you and it gets to you you know it's funny Mark has obviously had a great career still bowling very well but he seems like he's becoming even if he's not on a on your team, not you specifically, he seems like he's becoming more of a veteran presence. I remember the match where Freshy was going up against Corby Packard in the Outrun the Bear Finals, yeah. uh, the three-person team, and Freshy made a uh, crazy shot at the end again, just get a 10. I think he went 49 out of 50 with no marks in the last half to win by one. Oh my god, that was cool. And he wasn't thrilled with the box, and Ricci said, that pin might be huge, you don't know, you don't know. Like, yeah. kept trying to tell Freshy, like, you're still in this, you're still... He, Richie's team is out of it. I think, and it's not as a dig. I think they were out for a while, but he hung around. Yeah, I, same thing with me. Like certain those events, I like to hang around and watch yeah. the bowling because I know this the outrun the bear brings a lot of good bowlers too. Yeah, and I don't mind. I'm like, oh, maybe it's only what one o'clock. <laughs> I got nothing to do the rest of the day. I'm watching everybody bowl. I know the last one was kind of a blowout, but there's been a lot of tight, tight finishes. I mean, oh. Jimbo took 12, 13 boxes to get uh, Brandon, right? Yes. Yeah, got Brandon Marks out of there. Took him like 13. I think boxes. that's. I think that's the one where... Yeah, did they tie once or twice? 
I think they tied twice. Yeah. And I think it was a mark to finally, I think they both. Yeah, Brandon had a nine drop and just yeah. skipped right yeah. by it. And, and so then, it could have gone again. Yeah, and then Jimbo ended up making the 10 or whatever it was. And yeah. that was exciting. Like, I like close matches, even though I'm not bowling, because it feels like I'm right there and, it's and such I'm a, on the lane. And it's right. such a marathon, 9, 10, 11 strings or whatever it is, to get to, because that was the only nine stringer because Jimbo never used his buyback. Right. Um, but to, to get that many strings and then, because you start back at zero, it's not like a situation where the 10th stringer you threw at spare time, I think in the ninth string you sent me a text and said, I'm in second place. Yeah. I said, who's in first? And he said, Surratt. Yeah, I, I don't, said, I don't want to talk about that 10th stringer, Jeremy. <laughs> I, go, I go, how close are you? He said, if, if Jeff leaves now, I need a 116. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, true. Yeah, it was funny because I was bowling good in that, and I was right behind Surratt most of the day. Yeah. Games by uh, 7, 8, and 9, I went like 3-0. Because I had one, two, and three, and those were the tough alleys. And I got on alley four, and ended up, I needed like 140-something just to edge out the second spot. And ended up getting like 120-something or 130-something. But I was like... Did you go fourth? Yeah. I so you say Dean ended up catching. Dean, Dean, yeah, Dean passed me. He ended up fishing, ended finishing up. second. I was, yeah. I was third. Yeah. Which, is, which is weird because I struggled on 11 and 12. Oh, yeah, and then like one, two, and three, I finally like picked it up again, and I was off and running. I just couldn't find. I was getting upset, and I was like, I know it's gonna throw me off, yeah. but I just couldn't get anything during that time frame. Now and I've only bowled there once. Is that is one? Uh, obviously, two and three aren't as close, but is one close to the wall? Oh, very close for someone like me. Well, that's what I was gonna say too, as a lefty, close. because I know I struggle at bogey. Like it's one of the houses that, oh. compared to my average, because everything's relative, it's the one house that I do not bowl well in. I at love all. bowling there. Oh. And when I was talking about it, I think it was with Lori Lewis and Bobby Whitcomb. We were talking about it over at Woburn. Bobby said it's because it's a left-handed house, which <laughs> would make sense if you love that house yeah, so much. Yeah, but it's I just like going there. I like how I like the small alley sometimes. Oh, yeah. it's oh always, I love the house. I love the people. I yeah, it's <laughs> always good memories there. And um, they said, I think it was Craig that said Pilgrim was a left-handed house as well. Yeah. And um, this one is for Tim Matero. Hey, Tim, not every house you bowl at is a right-handed house. He <laughs> says that to me all the time. Stars and Strikes, I was talking a little. I was edging him on so he can bowl because he wasn't going to bowl. And he ended up beating me by, like, 10 pins or 12 pins. And he also see, told you it's a right-handed house. And then I, <laughs> even though it was his birthday party, I went to, we went to Oakland Park and bowled. I walk in the building for, like, I throw my high triple in practice, like, 444. And he had a few drinks that day so he's like I'm not this wasn't completely there and I was like it's not a right handed house but he says that's everywhere because we were talking to each other about bowling in Augusta this one that's coming up and he was like well how have fun coming in second place because you're not going to beat me it's a right handed house and I'm like Timmy no it's not because I was like the lot the second the last time I was there Craig won he's a lefty he yeah. goes well he was like well Craig's in the hall of fame and I was like, doesn't matter. Oh, I still won. <laughs> well, didn't Craig say that he changed his ball delivery because of... Um, fairway. Was it, was it fairway? Yeah. And he still bowls that way, even though... No. Uh, so you mean from, like, the right to the left? Yeah. yeah. So I've been talking to him at Woburn. He goes left to right. He went. He's throwing the way I throw. Yeah. Left to right. Really? He's over buck 20 right now. He's been bowling. Actually. So maybe he had to make the adjustment. Well, I maybe. said it'd be good for him for houses like... Exeter, because the score table's at a certain point. So, like, for me, alley one, all the 
odd alleys are good for me, except for the evens, because the score table gives yeah. me that foot and a half step I need. So I said, Emma, hey, girl, you can do it on either side and still ball good. But I said to him, and he changed it, and he's been throwing like, he just threw like 660 last Thursday. Yeah, something. I think I saw that. He threw a 660. I'm like, come How on. How often is it the veteran Hall of Famers taking advice? How old are you? <laughs> 21 21 taking advice from the 21 year old <laughs> right so I mean that's that's big and it also shows how much respect that he has for your game because how many sports as a Hall of Famer look at a 21 year old up and coming I mean you're here but as far yeah. you still have a lot ways a lot to accomplish in your career yeah and they could he could easily have looked at you and Craig's not this guy and said I've been doing this longer than you've been alive, kid. Don't tell me what to do. Exactly. Right. But no, we're, it's always, okay, maybe I can make I think he's adjustment. at a point where, like, he loves bowling, so any yeah. advice he gets and he gives, it's just like, right. you try to use it off to help each other. I just, I think that's big in Candlepin. I don't think you see that as as much in other sports. I mean, right. obviously, if you're in the Hall of Fame, typically you're not still playing, but yeah. in most sports. But I think that's really cool to see, and that's one of the things I love about this game, is that everybody's kind of working together. I mean, it, you've said it, I think it was during the Cheech interview, that we all need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, so now when you were coming up, who who brought you up? We were talking about another podcast with other people about we always kind of latch on to somebody before you make a name for yourself. Yeah, I think honestly, was like, are we talking like the kids or just like from my just in general? So okay. when you kind of made your name for yourself, obviously Bobby Brown was a big Bobby Brown, but like Cheech was too. One year I subbed for the pro league on Artie Genro's team. Mm-hmm. And then Mike was like, hey, like, do you want to bowl with us for the year? And he gave me that chance to help me make a name for myself and help throughout that. That's how I'm getting how I am now. Because he used to nag on me for being a little baby on the lanes, <laughs> which is still happening, but we keep it on control. He would nag on me, and I wouldn't like that because I'm like, don't do this to me. And like, also, at the time, I was like, I barely even know you. Right. But... He'd nag on me, and it would help me get better because yeah. like, he used to stomp my foot a lot. <laughs> and um, sometimes I'd do it for like a spare shot. It's different, but I was a- out of anger. I'd mostly do it. And he would just tell me to like make fun of me for it like so many times in one night. So I'm like, <laughs> I really stop it now. But he's also a big influence, too. Yeah. It's helped me get to where I am now. Now, do you try to take as much as you can from different... Oh, yeah. No matter who I talk to, if it's you guys, yeah, Surrett, Baker, uh, Chris Bobear is a good guy, too. Jimbo, Winchell. He tells me when he was younger he used to be good, Chris Bobear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even Craig and whoever, I just, I take all it in. Because yeah. no matter what, even if I watch an interview from a bowling match that was 93 championship, yeah. the true value, and it's an interview in the end, and I'm listening to it. I'm going to take any advice I can. Right. Because for me, I want to be the best somewhat yeah. in the future. Not Right now, bowling good, but I want to be that top guy that everybody knows. Right. So I want to walk in the bowling alley and be like, everyone's coming at me like, hey, what's up, and all that other stuff. Right. But at the time now, I'll take what I can get and any advice I can help with. I definitely think in a very short period of time from making the transition from a kids league to winning a pro series event, I mean, you have won. I mean, you're, you've been bowling for a while, and this isn't as a dig, but it's hard to win those. The Actually, point. I almost won my first pro series event ever bowling with Norcross, Nick Norcross. Yeah. I, like, begged him to bowl. I was like, Nick, let's, because we friends in the Woburn League, and, he, and I was like, Nick, let's bowl. Let's bowl. It was fireball. So we bowled up at Lakeside. I actually had a good time. We made the qualifier. I forget who we bowled. We had... 
Baker and Slinky, we beat. Nick made a shot in the end, failed it to win. And then we had Brandon and Wayne. I I think I was born against Brandon at that Was that time. at Lakeside? Yes, that was. Okay. So I was born against Brandon. Brandon just, I think, edged me out by like 15 or 20 pins because I couldn't get much after that. And Nick and Wayne throw 150s back to back. And I'm like, I was just right there. I could have yeah. been close to win my first Pro Series match. Because uh, Fournier and I were, we bowled Wayne and Brandon in the first round. And I mean, they, they, they killed us. I mean, right then we were both like, that that's going to be the team to be right now. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, when you were coming up bowling in Pro Series events, those were back when there were a lot of like the 10 stringers, right? Well, when I first came up, yeah, it was the WCBC. Who were some of the bowlers you were going up against in those? I mean, I, w I was paired up with Carrington, my very first pro stop. Jesus. I, I mean, I, I was nervous as hell. I'm like, I, I had heard stories, and I'm like, oh my god, he's just, he's, he's gonna be like a jerk to me, or <laughs> he's gonna give me crap if I don't do something right. And he, he was great, but I mean, the Morgans were still bowling, Jackie Ray was still bowling. Oh, God. Yeah. So when, I mean, when I'm saying like, when I'm saying like, you know, Jeremy only, I don't want to say only, but has the one. Like, they're hard. Like. You're a hell of a bowler, you're very accomplished, but it's hard to win. Yeah, it, it is. It's no matter, even now and before, yeah. it's always gonna be hard to win. Yeah. None, nothing comes easy in this. Right. And because one small thing can throw you off, next thing you know. As you said, a pin off the sidewall costs you a shot. Yeah, like anything, even you're about to throw the ball and someone cuts you off. Like it could just throw you off for yeah. a second. You lose focus, that can possibly hurt your game and hurt your finish towards the end. So. Nothing is guaranteed, right. really, and unless you're playing like a small house tournament and you know you're the best baller by 15, 20, 15 pins, and you're just coming in. But I mean, I, I wouldn't have my pro series win without Brandon. Oh, I watched that. That was a phenomenal that, finish. I, I mean, it, you had a hard team to go up against them. Uh, it was uh, Baker, Dave Richards, and Brian Kroll. Yeah, it's a good team. And it was like, I think it was 28 pins or, or 31 pins with two boxes to go. Yes, 31. And then it was like... Seven boxes at the end. Yeah, Brandon Sean... Brandon throws a strike. Well, yeah. I, I forget what it was, but Baker had... He either punched an eagle or something like that, ended up with a seven box. Yeah. And I look at Ken, and it was like, hmm. Brandon goes up, throws a bomb. I'm like, all right. I'm like, this is still kind of like, if he throws a double, you know, things Game could changer, be yeah. things things could be interesting. He yeah. gets up and throws the double, and oh, like my heart, I'm like, oh my god, like this may and actually happen. He throws the next ball, and I just knew he throws an eight fill to win by one, because he didn't get the triple in the end, but he threw right. the eight fill to win by one. And I bowled with Brendan on the Tuesday night league in Central, and I've seen him bowl clutch so many times. Like we're good friends. We bowled in that leader league together. I had a great time bowling with him. And I said to him before, I mean, you talk about that. And I was like, that's the Brandon Marks I know. Because I'd see it on Tuesday nights. He was so clutch in that league. Yeah. He'd just come in, spare strike to win the game. Like, out of nowhere. Right. And I was, I said to him, even, and then, it was the that, what year was that? 2019. Yeah, then he ended up winning the World Singles that year. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, that's the Brandon. Because like, he threw clutch marks in the end. And I was like. He had a, like a, one of his best years that year. Because he won the 10-stringer at CPL, I think. I think so, yeah. And then he and Wayne won the doubles. And it, it was, yeah, I think yeah. he had three wins that year. Yeah, but it's just a guy that I always will be good friends with. Because I don't mind seeing him. I like talking yep. to him. We've yeah. known each other through league. And... He's one of those people that, like, I know in certain situations he's going to come out of nowhere mm -hmm. and just throw 
DeMarcus needs to be clutch to get it, which is. And I, I remember that last string because I only threw a 96. And I was appalled. I'm like, it never should have had to come to that. Like, I, you know, I was awful that last half. And, this, and he goes, you went 49 for 50. He goes, you know, you didn't go, you went markless, but he goes, you left one pin on the deck. He yeah. goes, those pins are huge. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I was just bummed that I didn't contribute as mm-hmm. I made it, you know, harder than it needed to be. It's funny. A lot of times it's a, that anchor bowler that gets all the credit. Like, we, I was looking back, that three-on-three three out on the bear. Freshie went 49 out of 50 against Corey Packer, wins by one. But people forget, I think it was, uh, they were down by a lot. And then yeah. Kevin Padgington went up and, and yeah. ripped off like a 140 or something. I'd have to go back and look at the stat. But if he doesn't have that game, the game is nowhere near close. Yeah, no, right. no. I think he picked up almost 60 pence in that in that game. So yeah. that's that's one of those huge moments. And back to your your match with uh, or not your match, but Bolin with Mike. Again, Corey and Jeremy won the doubles out on the bear. You always need that. I'll pick you up game. Yeah, your partner yeah. slumps. He's got you, or vice versa. When you, you have to feed off each other, that's yeah. what you have to do. Singles, it's kind of hard to do that, but doubles teams four or five people, whatever it is, you have to feed off each other. Yeah. Because if Mike gets a few marks in the first half, okay, like, that's something to build on. Or if he ends the ma- ends the half with a mark, and I end with a mark, and we have 60-plus of all each, it's yeah. 120. So some people who have 105, 115, or even 90-something. So you guys need to – you always need to build on each other because it's a team sport. Even though it is a team sport, at the end it comes down to you. Yep. Because once they're done, that's they can't do anything else. Right. You have either the match, the tournament, the ball in your hands, those last two boxes, which is nerve-wracking, I'll yeah. tell you that. Because even at the mixed tournament, I was bowling. Craig put me anchor, and I was like, every game was close because, sorry, but we had JoJo on our team, so she took forever, <laughs> she took forever to throw the ball, which was fine. But we had her on the team, and... That's what made all we were the last team mostly all to finish. So when I get up, all eyes on you. All eyes on me, and I'm nervous. I was talking to Matero, and he was like, I was like, it's nervous. He goes, but does it feel good? I go, yeah. He goes, that's the best part about it. Everybody's watching you come up and finish big at the end, and it just how it is. Because either you deal with the pressure, and it, you let it get to you, or you're gonna tell the pressure to right. back off and. You're gonna bowl by yourself, acting like nobody else is there, right? And, that, and that's that's one of those steps to get to that next level. Yeah, because the bigger the spotlight's gonna be, the more eyes are gonna yeah. be on you. Right. So, and I think you have a lot more of those to come. Now we've talked to some bowlers who are in the Hall of Fame. Cheech is kind of in that prime years, I would say, that thirty. Some, you know, you're a young kid in a game that people always say it's not what it used to be. Where do you see the future of the game? Do you see any chance of it getting some semblance of growth? How do yeah. you feel about it? So I'll say what everybody else says, you win the lottery, you win a bowling alley. Yeah. Because I've always admired like how Park Place has had their bowling alley and a restaurant right there. I'd always want that because something I would love to run for the rest of my life. But I do see how these tournaments are filling up faster. And even though some houses are closing, there's still going to be a lot of houses that have full tournaments. Mm-hmm. I still think that in the years coming, it's going to be, it's going to get more and more yeah. people. Because even though it seems like some tournaments are just tough to fill just because of scheduling-wise. 
But like if people had free schedules and all that other stuff, you'd see all these tournaments filled because people like going back to places. People yeah. like seeing everybody else who's there. They love having good tournaments. And I think we're seeing a good mix too because you have Matt Nichols is trying to start something brand new, yep. yeah. Triathlon. You have uh, Alfie's doing his TV show. Obviously, been around for a long time. Baker's, I think he's going to go on the other podcast and talk about uh, basically a Ryder Cup yes. style. Yeah, I heard that. And Baker's been around for a while as well. So there's a, and I would say Alfie's kind of the older generation. Mm-hmm. Baker's probably on the younger side of that older generation, or the older side of the younger, however you want to say it. And Nichols is a younger guy. So that's three different almost generations, all trying something. Yeah, I, to make the I'm game better for whatever. Like yeah. any bowling tournament that I'll do, I'll do. Like I bowled with my friend Charlie Collins, another good yeah. bowler. We bowled South Yarmouth together in a doubles tournament. Yeah, I asked him to bowl, and he said, "Yeah." And I'm like, "I've never been there." Right. So I was like, "Let's go bowl," and he's like. It was good. That was fun, but it's all. I'm always for bowling anywhere. Like it's and it's cool to see Char- when you were bowling um, in the states. You were on the other side of the house, so I didn't get a chance to watch you bowl um, at the youth tournament. But Charlie was, I believe, he was on the lanes next to our kids, and one of our kids, Connor, was actually talking to him a lot. And then I hadn't seen Charlie's name for a while, and then I was over at Woburn seeing him averaging at the time. I don't know what he's averaging now, but he's averaging 119. It was cool to see him make that transition from. Yeah youth bowler to now bowling and adults yeah, yes. like you yourself have. He's fine to bowl with. Um, we've been friends for a while now. We've yeah. really gotten closer over the years, but like he bowls on our Friday night team. He's younger us. than you, right? Or yes. Now, do you see yourself kind of mentoring him to make the transition? or is he... um, Yes, and no, I, I help him as much as I can yeah. when I need to. Like, if he does a little off his feet and he's rushing, throws a lemon drop. <laughs> but That term is making a comeback. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. I have to say it. I had to say it. I think Bob, but like, once Bob Lee learned that word, I think it made a big comeback. But it's always it's something as I help him as much as I can. Yeah. Like, you should play it here, play it there, just to give him a little help. Like right. I told him. But he works a lot and has other stuff to do, so I'm like, I try to get him some tournaments that he can do. It's like he works on Sunday sometimes, so it's like he can't bowl a pro series event yeah. just because of that. Right. So I try to do as much as I can help him with, but... Him and I go. We're starting. Uh, we're just going bowling every week now. So like last week we went to Sunnyside. This Wednesday we're going up to Exeter to bowl because he's never been there. Nice. So I'm like, just to take him anywhere. Now he can't sign up obviously for that pro league if he's working every Sunday, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I told him about it and he goes he goes if I had the time off I'd probably bowl. And I was like, I know you'd be bowling. I tell him that right now. Like yeah, if someone sees a kid with a one nineteen average, they're taking you no matter who you are. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like. I think he would get drafted if he signed up, but just with the schedule, yeah, just the schedule going to work out. But back back to what you were saying about kind of like the state of the game. I think open bowl, like the open play, uh, I think is good. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like because our summer has been one of the, one of the best summers that yeah. we've had. I know Andrew up in Portsmouth has had some great business up there. Oh, and Lexi and Lita was saying the same thing. Yeah. It's it's got to be the rain. I think it's, it's yeah, the oh, rain yeah. that brings all the I customers. Think, I think it's come. The rain is huge. Of course. It's always been big for bowling, but I also think it has to do, like yesterday was beautiful out, and we still had a relatively yeah. good day. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, is you have a lot of people, there's still relatively high unemployment, there's still benefits, so I think people have excess time and excess money. Right. And this is a fun thing to do. I also think they don't want to go out in like maybe 90 degree weather and do That's something so oh they'd yeah, rather go inside somewhere it's like yeah because Friday degrees. I mean we, we were busy Friday during yeah. the day and it was like 96 degrees out oh, but yeah. um where the hell was I going 
Yeah, no. So like, like the like the open play, I, I'm like I don't see you know that going down. I I think it you know it, it's in a good place, but for the competitive side, this is where I mean we're going to need each other to keep that yeah. going. Well, that's the thing is you've seen other houses, and I'm not going to name names, but have kind of shied away from leagues. I mean, I've seen it in Ten Pin. I mean, I'll, I'll name this lane because it's not near and dear, but Pins and and Milford, yeah. I don't think has any leagues, and they said we can make more money in open so. bowling. So if I was a 10-pin bowler, which I'm not, like that kind of hurts the competitive nature of the game. Yeah. I also think they switched to those string machines, so I, I, I feel like that league bowlers wouldn't want to go there anyway. Yeah, because yeah. then, then they don't get certified, I believe, no. Correct. Yeah. Because of the string machines. It just seemed like a big pain in the ass. Well, I never, <laughs> like, even though like you go to an arcade and they have it in like 10-pin, I really wouldn't be a big fan of it. Because no. I bowled it once. I was on a cruise and they had it. So I just said for fun. It's weird. I'm not a ten pin bowler to begin with. It's a, it doesn't sound. It doesn't feel like bowling. Yes, I know what you mean. Well, then the string they all get tangled and the thing yeah. goes up and down like six times. Because now, like for example, you can't have the head pin smash off the wall and take the ten for right. throwing a mix for a strike. Would you say that Cheech is your role model? Because any other answer would be sus. Yeah. Okay, yes. I, I look up to him everything and all that. He's been there so much for me, and I've been there for him. It's one of those friends that I know I'll have for the rest of my life and everything. Um, then Caitlin had asked the question, uh, since you've been named as one of the best bowlers coming up, does that weigh heavy on you? And when you go into some of these big – oh, sorry. Does it weigh heavy on you when you go to some of these tournaments, and how do you handle that type of pressure? And what's some of the best advice you've been given? So – the pressure sometimes, yes and no. Uh, I try to be a role model for the kids because I coach at Academy now. Mm-hmm. So not most of them knew me last year, but I would help them. And then now they're going to start knowing me. So I want to be one of those people that they look up to. Yeah. And the pressure sometimes does get to me a little bit just because if it's around like a bunch of the kid bowlers that I've grown up with and they're bowling in that tournament, like and they haven't seen me in years. You're kind of just like, I don't want to crap the bed to bowl you want to bowl at least good or a little bit better and um, the best advice I don't know I feel like there's so much yeah but the one thing that stays with me all the time is the just slow your feet down yeah that's one of the things because this game you can pick up your feet real fast yes yeah but there's always been so much other things that have been said to me and like keep your head straight you want to hit your targets or whatever but I feel like slow your feet down is probably one of the main focuses that I've always kept in with me the whole time because I've done it to myself I'll tell myself I, I talk to myself like yeah. while I bowl on the lanes and my sister has called me out on it and I said <laughs> yes I talk to myself because I know that I did something wrong and I'm trying to tell myself to make sure I correct it so there is slow your feet down I think is one of my ones there. So this question um, is from an anonymous uh, tip. Now you said that you call your mom if you're not bowling well and she kind of gives you that calming yeah. presence. Did you learn how to bowl from watching your amazing mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to ask the question. Because every time I'm bowling, I'll make a couple shots. She goes, oh, you got that from your amazing mother watching you bowl. And it's, it's funny because I'll say the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow, you picked something up from watching me. But yeah, she's always always been there she loves it it's awesome because like she gets so emotional sometimes so like big games makes her so excited she yeah. starts tearing at crying and I'm like 
Mom, why are you crying? She goes, I'm just so excited. <laughs> but that's that's so important, though, because you listen to the Tommy Olsen podcast, oh. and he's talking about his grandfather watching him bowl. I felt so bad. I know. But you had the same thing with your grandfather watching mm-hmm. you bowl all your matches. I think he, and Tommy said this, it's, it's we're such a tight-knit family. I mean, yeah. it's, and I think when it's your actual family, yeah. And when it's the bowling community, I think it's so important to have that backbone and that support. Yeah. Um, that that gets you into the game, and I think it's that. I think maybe so many families. I mean, we talked about the Morgan brothers, and mm-hmm. you know, we just had a very tragic situation with Matt Tulio, and his oh. brother was bowling as well. So there are. I think you have actual family, blood family, and then you have the bowling family as well, and maybe that mixture is kind of what. Makes it. It, it all brings us closer. It does, especially just having a little fun time in the lanes, no matter what. Oh, go bowling? You want to go out for dinner later? Go ahead. Go out to dinner after. Yeah. I mean, Freshie posted it at uh, Cheech's wedding, and he said, it's amazing. I forget, I'm going to quote it wrong, but how many friends we've made in this silly game. Yes, I think it was just like that. You yeah. make lifelong friends. Yes. And I don't care how many other friends I have. If I have friends from bowling, be friends for life. And then, like, the last question I have is... From Matt Nichols, as much as, that's actually a very good question. It is. <laughs> Given how accomplished you are at such a young age, what advice do you have for younger bowlers who are coming up? So if if you came in now, did you say you're coaching an academy? Yeah, I did. What advice do you have for them to make that transition from being a average to good or good to great youth bowler to becoming a good to great pro uh, adult bowler? Yeah. So there is definitely some like about five or six kids maybe in that league where. I see the potential right away. Like, yeah. there's a couple of them. I won't name any of them just because. Yeah. Whatever. Well, then if you leave one out, they're going to be mad. Right. Yeah. But there's five, six kids that I see who has potential, and some girls too that have the potential to bowl good. Yeah. I t- I give them some pointers. I try to tell them just stay with it. Um, don't try to get mad too much because you come back and you come, you got a whole new boxes to come in through. So, but I try to tell them to keep on straight, enjoy the time. Um, this will, I mean, I don't know how long bowling will be for them. Yeah. Because they might just do it to the adult, to and high school. Tough. Right. And the, see the, I mean, the thing is trying to get them to transition. To transition into adult leagues and try to be I've had a group of friends, and I'm like the only one who still bowls out of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, bowling friends, I've had, I'm the only one who still bowls out of them. But I try to just, because there's a couple kids I talk to that um, I try to cheer them up a little bit just because um, he's having a bad day. Like, I, there's one kid. He's a little shorter kid, around Jeremy's height. <laughs> oh wow! That was a softball. He decided to take a hack. <laughs> so um, no, but like I, I give him. It's funny, even though like I give him like short character names for like movies, like Mike Wazowski <laughs> and other things. And do you think like, you do that because of Bobby Brown? Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Like, oh, lightens the tension. Yeah. <laughs> One one kid, I'll be like, Roadrunner, what are you doing? Like, he's a lefty, but he's good, he's fast, and I'm like, what's up, Roadrunner? So like, I didn't know Rob Linehan bowled in the Academy Kids League. Yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> he does pretty fast, but I give him I give him names to cheer yeah. him up a little bit, just yeah. because I know he's having a bad time, but I try to do the best I can to be nice to him and yeah. cheer him up because he bowls up there in a summer league at Academy. I'll like shoot me a message a few times of how he's bowling, yeah, and everything. And sometimes he does throw like some gutter balls, but like I do the Bobby Brown, I nag on him for yeah. it because it's just so natural that he's done it to me that like I can help these kids do that. One of, one of the things, and I think it actually made me a better bowler, was Caitlin and I run the kids' league here, and 
I used to get a lot more angry when I missed a shot, and I missed mm. a lot of them. And I would get mad, I would hit the machine or whatever else, and then I remember it was an ACST match and I wasn't bowling well, and it was against somebody that I thought I should have bowled better against and I didn't take as many points as I should have, I'm not going to name names. We all have that. And I remember being mad, and then I saw a comment pop up from one of the moms of the Kids League and said, hey, we're watching. And I remember thinking at that point, you never know who's watching you. Yeah. And do you think that that weighs into maybe how you react a little bit? Oh, on the definitely, too? definitely. Because it's a friend of mine that um, she kind of like laughs at me sometimes when I'm getting upset, mm -hmm. and I try not to. Because I really don't want to be laughed at. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody was right. does. But also, I try to make sure not get angry. Like even when kids are around too, just because what do you know that kid joins the league? Next thing you know, he's gonna right. Years later, oh, remember this? And I'm like. Oh, you really shouldn't have brought that up, but yeah. <laughs> but I don't try to. What other people remember sometimes? Right. It's like I don't like getting mad as much, even though everybody gets frustrated. Yeah. There's no way you can bowl a good night. You can still have a good night and get frustrated. Oh yeah. You can bowl your high and be like, oh, I missed a shot in the eighth or ninth. Like there's like. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also like miss an yeah. easy shot yeah. that could. Oh, but it didn't matter because you were on a roll, so it's like you something like that. You really don't get mad, like right. That woman, I've tried not to. I'm doing good. Some weeks are bad, but just struggle sometimes because even though I throw a good ball and it's hard, it's fast. It's not going to get all the breaks that someone who throws the ball maybe at Jeremy's speed or even your speed because their ball might just react somewhat better for that game or two yeah. against the pins because yep. it's not as fast. Man, I'm throwing the ball. I'm beating everybody in that league by like speed wise oh, a, yeah. a good amount so like I have to think sometimes I have to take a little off but then I don't want to take a little off because then it's going to it's be also your ball you, yeah right you don't want to do something that's not natural because we yeah. had that conversation with Bob Lee where he's and I think he's come off of it a little bit and I'm sure if he comes on he'll tell me that he hasn't but he's talked about the fastball versus the changeup mm -hmm. and the changeup's more accurate and my thought is your ball is going to be more not you you, but your yeah, ball is right. going to be more accurate. Whatever you throw 98% of the time, and yeah, maybe if you have a single, you take a little off without thinking. because you. But I think if you're, you're making a decision, I'm going to throw the ball slower, you're going to be all over the place. Yeah. yeah, That's what I think. So, But you're going back to you know getting mad at things. I mean, I was sent home from the kids league at Fairway probably two or three times for doing something stupid. Nothing really bad, but like, you know, I kicked the ball rack or yeah, yeah. slammed something down and Helen would just come over and she was like, grab your, grab your shit. Yeah. Get, like, go go wait outside. Now, this is the same Helen. I don't know if you know the story, and, and I don't know it as well as you know it, but didn't she almost end a pro event? No, it was a state tournament in the early 80s. Yeah. You know, Do you packed know the no. Uh, so back when Fairway held the state tournament in its heyday, you know, you had 200 people, Jesus. you know, bowlers, and then you have, you know, 100 people watching, you know, five deep, just, just people everywhere. Somebody dropped a cigarette ash on the carpet. She gets mad, shuts all the lanes off. And said, if I find another cigarette burn in my carpet, everyone's going home. Like, so imagine getting sent home by some... <laughs> wow. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, God, you don't she, mess around. I mean, she terrified me. So I think that's where I got my... I'm like, all right, you know what? Just just keep it cool, yeah. calm, collected. I do have my moments. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just, that's just how like I was always brought up. I have to add in, because Matt's going to be mad if I don't say his favorite pizza place. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> me personally... Bowling wise, prefer Exeter. Okay. But just for Matt's sake, I will say Timberlanes. <laughs> Favorite pizza? Gotta be barbecue chicken. That's 
Or just a cheese, maybe. Maybe a cheese. So next yeah. time, uh, Josh said Timber, he gave a free plug, so I think John Pumphrey needs to get him a free barbecue or cheese pizza. <laughs> Who would you say your favorite bowl to watch growing up was? Oh, I, I was waiting for this one. <laughs> waiting for this. So this like, is, I, stu- a, I studied for this question. <laughs> not even, but there's a few I can go through real quick. Um, my mother and father are always a big inspiration. Uh, Surratt, Craig, because um, I used to come up to the Worlds that I was at Lakeside the year he won, Surratt, but I'd be so happy to see him bowl and everybody else. Um, it's also like a bunch of central bowlers, too. Like, I never saw Chucky Vazella bowl, but Chucky's I've always... i still never seen him bowl. There's a, there is a doubles match of him and Joey bowling. Joey's another guy. Is, it on, is it on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, okay. I love Joe Stella. Great guy. He's always been there for me, like, at this league. He's always seen it in me. But he's one of those people that I always looked up to yep. bowling and all that yep. other stuff. Even my friends, like, even now, like, I don't... You're good? Like, McGinty, I look up to him, even though yeah. it's like... Whatever it is between how he's bowling, I'm still gonna look up to him. Um, Freshy, Cheech, Nate, Timotero, anybody, honestly, because you're a good friend of mine. I'm gonna look up to you no matter what. Yeah. Just because I might be having the better day, I'm still gonna look up to you. Like even Chris Bovere, like that old guy. <laughs> but um, I'm mad at him because he took away my high single out on the bear. That's silly. <laughs> my only beef with him. <laughs> but no, but he's like another guy I look up to because. He's one of those people that you just, he, it's one of those guys. Throws the same ball, it's everything. But it's a bunch of people too. Um, Mark Ricci again, yeah. Bobby Brown, Paul. I didn't see Paul bowl much, but I bowled with Bobby a few times. I bowled with Mark. And it's just, it's those people that inspire you to do good. Because mm-hmm. if you have a great, great yeah. relationship with them, you're going to do good. So, since you brought up Over, I, I want to add this one piece at the end because I tell the kids in the kids league a lot or not even just the kids but sometimes you have that 90 bowler and they think that they've hit a point where they don't have to ask how to play a shot oh and I've tried to say I've so during the doubles finals they bowled against Doucette and Brian Kroll and I remember Nate had some weird leave. I, I can't remember what it was, but what I do remember is Nate had taken a step back, and Bovere was right in his ear telling him how to play the shot. You, you have yeah. to. Mm-hmm. No matter how good you are yeah. or how many years you've been born, like, I can ask Jeremy how to play a shot. Right. He'll ask me. You can ask me. I ask you. I, There's been times where I've given advice for Craig, for example, and he's made yeah. the shot. And, like, I, and I try to tell people, never be afraid to look back and go, no, what do you guys I mean, think? sometimes that second set of eyes. Yeah. I, I still think one of one of the funnier things was, I forget who I was talking to, maybe it was Eric Seeger and somebody else, but we had a huddle over a shot. It wasn't during a league play. It was just messing around on like a Tuesday night or whatever. Yeah. And Jeremy walks, he was cleaning tables because you were closing that night, and walks over and goes, are we talking about a shot? What are we talking about? <laughs> and then we had this group huddle of how to play it. I don't remember whoever don't shot know. it, probably missed it by a mile, so it didn't matter anyways. But it's the idea of like, I think one, it also brings the team together when you turn and go, what do you think? Now we're right. all in it together. Yeah. But even like, for example, I bowled a doubles tournament with Nance Vestal. Yeah. Great time bowling with her. She's an awesome person. But even like we were bowling the knockout rounds or whatever, Jess Stockton was on the left of me and she was bowling Winstrel and I told her how to play a shot because yeah. even though like, oh, you're bowling against them, you're kind of bowling against the field in that tournament. Yeah. Right. So you're not bowling against her directly. Yeah, so I'm not like, if you're bowling against me, I'm not going to tell you how to play a shot. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in it for me, not you. But so what like, do you think, Josh? I think you should throw in the left gutter. <laughs> See how that works out yeah. for you. So you always got to, at least, for me, like, just 
give advice because yeah. the more you give advice, the better it will be. Right. I think so. I agree. And I think, and that was one of the things you had said when you were talking about the 128 where, um, you know, what cut over is what costs you the match. And that's what some people tell you, a one-string match, a lot of times people feel like they prefer playing a field right. versus yeah because what they say you can you know you throw a 141 lose to a 146 and then right. next door somebody wins with a 106 to a 102 like right it just it happens it's yeah. just it's not like the luck of the draw it's just whatever happens happens like, yeah exactly you can bowl your best and still lose it's a crazy game like <laughs> a big example well one of my favorite examples is uh uh the tom Surratt and jack quinn where they yep. went 444 to like 420 something to was it that one or uh, was it there was one on the old channel 50 show it was uh was it mike morgan and bob moran it was like 440 to 430 yeah so that's insane yeah it was but the, the jack quinn and tom Surrett one was also like 420 420 yeah something like it, that. i'm like they bowled phenomenal that two match yeah, and i think jack had a triple in there somewhere yeah and you bowl phenomenal and you still lose well, what do you say that uh he always felt bad. Was it for Billy Trefoil, where he said, "You know, you bowled well against me." He goes, "I always just had his number." <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like, oh, "I threw like 430." He's like, "You bowled he's well, like, four, you know, 402, 404." But I always had. I think he had him three times on that run or something yeah, like yeah. that. Well, as always, it's fun to to talk to Josh. Yeah, I mean, nothing like making you feel like super old, but yeah, yeah, all, all the references of you know. Oh, probably before you were born. Oh yeah, way before. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't know which was you know. God, how old is he? 20? He's 21. So was he born in 2000? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is ID. Josh, does your ID have a 2 in the front or a 1 <laughs> on the date of birth? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I do it all the time, too, here. I don't know if you do the same thing, but like serving beer. Somebody will give me like their license or whatever. I'll see date of birth like 1998 or 19 Basically anything after 96. And I'll be like, ha, you're not. A no, I, I guess that's over 21. Like I have to constantly in my head get over the fact that that's i don't know yeah i mean it's, it's yeah. So, now, up on you. so now when we get our new well we should I, I don't think they've actually sent it to us you know the the page a day you know are you old yeah, enough yeah, calendar yeah. whatever is now literally in the 2000s Ugh. when Ugh. i when i <laughs> when i started working like we had it for cigarettes yeah because it was at a supermarket and it was like you can't buy cigarettes if you were born before in this date, 1978. So I had a conversation with a coworker of mine. Um, I forget how we got on the topic about like feeling old. And I said, you want to feel old? I said, work at a bowling alley with a bunch of 16 to 18 year olds. And I said, uh, three real questions I've been asked while working here. One, are you old enough to remember 9-11? Two, are you old enough to remember watching Michael Jordan play basketball live? <laughs> and three, and this was the most recent, are you old enough to have ever had a corded phone in your house? I had to give a seminar to two two of our kids that work here over what dial up internet was. So it, it was our worst nightmares. <laughs> oh man! But at the time, it was fantastic. It's at true. the time, but the worst was if you got DSL. That was the first thing I got after oh, dial up. And then you went to somebody your friend's house that had uh, dial up. I remember going to my buddy's house and he was trying to download something on like LimeWire or Napster or whatever. I was trying to steal music on. This is for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. None of this actually happened. But as I was trying to do that, I remember turning Cohen. Do you have a virus on your computer? Because I couldn't get over. It was like two hours to download a yeah. four minute song. Like, oh, well, like no, nope, that's remember, my computer. Not not to beat the subject, but my, when my mother first got internet, this was probably like 1994, like yeah. Netscape Navigator type yeah, yeah. type like times. Her like dial-up was so bad like i'm like oh i'm gonna go to espn.com and then 
I went and ate dinner. <laughs> Maybe it'll be loaded by the time I get back. And then came back and like you saw half of the picture at the yeah. header of the page. I'm like, oh my God. It was faster to wait for the newspaper to come out to get the standings than it was to download. It, it really page, was. So. Yeah. It's and I, I remember like my first computer I got not my first computer, but one of my first computers I got that Sims game. Like oh, I the love first Sims. ever Sims. I had a delete word documents <laughs> from like the previous year of middle school or whatever it was to get enough space to play the sims on my computer like just think about it, it was like 480 yeah. megabytes my, <laughs> no my computer couldn't handle that so well i don't think this is supposed to be a podcast about how old we are and how young josh is i think it's supposed to be about bowling so yeah. we'll get back on that we did have results from the 1710 up in augusta maine Thank you to Josh Daly, also for getting us that information. The winners of that tournament, Mark Carrier and Kerrigan Skinner, defeated Mike McGinty and Shannon Scribner. That's a good finals. There's that, a lot of good a, teams, but like... That's a great final. I know Josh Bowl with Amanda Carroll. I and mean, You could go through the laundry list of amazing... Uh, Nick Norcross bowled with Sonia Johnson. Like, there was yep. a lot of good teams. So, some of the notable highs, Mark Weber went 186, Mike McGinty 185, Kerrigan Skinner with a 173, Craig Holbrook with a 172, and a Josh Daly with a 170. So, I'm going to guess those were all the scores over 170 or top five. But uh, some great scores, great tournament out there. I don't know how the format quite worked. They just had two different dates because I saw there was a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And then they had the bracket at the end. So, great tournament, great job to get that off the ground. And everybody uh, seems like they had a great time. I saw a lot of pictures from there. So what else do we have over the weekend? So we had King of the Hill at spare time. So we have a new handicap champion. Okay. Mike Nardone. Oh, so he's a champ champ. He's a champ champ. He's the dueling dueling throne because he's got the uh, title of King of the Hill over at Mason's. I know Eddie Florentino was pushing that. Was it CPL that he was trying to pair up with where it was uh, King of the Swamp and King of the River? Yeah. Over being a double champ. So congratulations. So is he also the champ of the scratch? He is not. Oh, okay. Uh, but he made the cut by three pins. Yeah. And in his five games, he ended up running the ladder. It was 641 in his five games. I mean, Mike, if you threw that the first time, you wouldn't have had to go through that many people. <laughs> yeah, he de- he defeated Joe Duda, 142 to 114. Anthony Caron, 148 to 108. Dave Peterson, 129 to 96. And I'm going to try my best to say his name right, because he corrected me the other day. John Doyron. 232 to 203. So they do a two-stringer at the end. Yes. The Masons does the same thing. So, And then what do we have for the scratch? The scratch uh, scratch only brought in four bowlers. So okay. everybody... It's always tougher to get scratch tournaments off the ground, but it's good yeah. to still hold them regardless, yeah. especially if it's the same day. You might as well... You're already there. But, I mean, they had enough to you know, make seatings and have, yep. a, and have a ladder. So it was Justin Scally, Mark... Justin Scally over Mark Uva, Uvard? Uvard. Uvard. Uh, 109 to 90. Uh, Matt Nichols over Justin Scally, 116 to 109. Nichols over Stan Parker, 115 to 113. And Matt Nichols over Joe Duda, the reigning champ, 268 to 235. And they also gave out Stan Parker one. I guess they had another kind of jackpot. So I read something about this. They have a they have a jackpot or a pool that goes on, which is a kind. Of, it's a great concept. I actually like a lot. And the concept is whatever the high for that tournament is is the new number you have to beat. So the only yeah. way to beat that is now to beat Stan Parker's number. If you beat that, the only way to beat that is somebody has to take your record down. So right. I think that's pretty cool. So, so the new high single of the of the tournament is one sixty three and a four hundred three triple. 
Not both, bad. Both by Stan Parker. And those that's a respectable score, but also a score that I think some of those top, you know, flight bowlers, your Surrettes, yourself, Boudreaux, who we uh, we're going to have in, in a couple of weeks, look at that and they go, I can throw a 163 and take that uh, jackpot down. So yeah. maybe if that jackpot gets a little bit more juiced up, you know, you start to see some of those heavy hitters coming in, coming down to spare time. So, yeah. And uh, we missed a couple of Chicha things. Oh, so many matches. I know. <laughs> um, so we had... So three that we uh, we already talked about the one that Nick Leach and Nate Lee's moved on yep. to. Uh, we had Brandon Marks and Joey Lister uh, moving on with a 592 and 590. Dave Barber and Matt Susie move on from their, their foursome. And this was a tough one because Susie, uh, Justin Waters, just missed by one pin. I, I wonder if Susie, I was, I'm got to ask him this. He's been running so many tournaments with Lexi up at uh, Lita. I wonder if it's good to just bowl and not worry about everything else going oh, on. Course. Maybe it's that uh, it's almost like trying to swing a bat with a donut on it. Yeah. And the final one, uh, Corey Packard and Sean Baker move on in their foursome, 623 and 620. So your top eight. Yeah. So the winner of this is going to go on to bowl the winner of the fall series, which is Jeremy Seom. And before the podcast, I remember Jeremy looked over that list. He just read you and said, I'm not afraid of anybody on this list. They're all bombs. I'm <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> no, I remember it, just so everybody knows he looked at the sheet and said, I'm starting to get a little nervous. <laughs> Those are eight good bowlers. Yes. I mean, so the eight that are left, we have Brandon Marks, Joey Lister, Dave Barber, Matt Susie, Corey Packard, Sean Baker, Nate Lees and Nick Leach. Yeah, there's no. There's no sleeper in that group. Yeah. For you to, not not you, but because you're not in this grouping, but for anybody to now make it to the final four, like, you got to work. You yeah. cannot have a box off at this point. I would be surprised if anybody makes it to the final four without a 600 at this point. Oh, they have to. So do you know off the top of your head, not to put you on the spot, where the next round is? I think it's still at Hyde Park. Okay. So... I mean, that's, like I said, it's such a great group uh, of bowlers. It's going to be really exciting to see that final. I mean, basically, it's the semifinals now, yep. right? Yep. So that'll be interesting to see. For events that we have coming up, obviously, we don't have all the Chicha matches that are scheduled. The three that are left, the two, obviously, that have to take place for the finals. But September 11th, we have a Pro Series event. Uh, the first, I know uh, Nate Lees, I think it was, just made a post about considering joining the Pro. Now, are you going to join it this year? Yes. So, you know, there's... Obviously, anybody can sign up and bowl in these, but to become a member, you you get points, and those points uh, are what enables you. Somebody just hit a jackpot outside, so that's fantastic. Uh, apparently, I can hear. So, but becoming a member enables you. First of all, helps the sport, helps the group get surprise fund up, and it also awards points to the bowlers based on where they place, and that's what's going to get you into that final. I think they take twenty four. Yes. So that's going to be September eleventh. It's a doubles uh, knockout. I think you bowl five strings, and then you get to the bracket. Yep. Also, we have King of the Hill at Mason's, where the latter is going to be the uh, get the opportunity to try to take down, if he shows up, Mike Nardone, the champ champ. Mikey Two Belts. From what I understand, <laughs> that's a good nickname. From what I understand, the top three get paid. Yes. So Mike would be walking in, basically making second place money. I mean, they already explained it to him. He doesn't have to roll off. He just has right. to show up and basically be in the finals. September 19th, we have the Agawam King of the Hill. We also have Alfie's roll-offs that's going to be up at Academy. I know he's not super... Th- I don't want to say it this way. I don't want to speak for him, but I think he was expecting more bowlers to show up. There's a lot happening that yeah. day. I think maybe we can. Tra- we are going to have him in very shortly. Maybe we can talk him into having multiple roll-offs. Because I, I do think, and we touched on this a little bit at one point. I don't know if it was on while we were recording or not, but I think he's coming from an era where he's probably looking at it saying, you know, why would I, because I think he posted back to you, why would I 
have multiple roll-offs if I can't even fill this one. Right. No, it's, uh, people are being, people have to be a lot more picky nowadays. Yeah. And I, I think if he has more roll-offs and maybe even the opportunity to re-enter, um, depending on how the format's going to work and he'll, t- you know, he'll get into that more when we have him on the show. But I think he's coming from an era where you were having multiple shifts like the pro series to, because you don't have the space. Right. I don't think this is a space issue. I think this is just like New England handle pins. Right. You have what, four, six roll offs? You know, we talked about even having more like a Wednesday roll off at 4 yep. p.m. for people who can't make the weekend or whatever. Like, you have to be accommodating, and that's what's going to help juice your numbers and get them up. And, you know, it trickles down to the prize fund and everything else. So yep. maybe we can talk them into that. The other big thing I don't think we've touched on this one yet is uh, Exeter Pro League as having their draft on the 19th as well. Yes. So if you're looking to get on that draft list, make sure you go on the Sunday Pro League Facebook page or reach out to Amy Doobie and let her know, like, you want to get on this list. Once the draft happens, if you're not you're not drafted, you're out. And they can't draft you if you're not on the list. So if you yep. have any interest, even if, you know, you think, well, I'm probably not going to get drafted, put your name in. The worst case scenario, you don't get drafted. Right. Where if you don't put your name in, you can't get drafted. So give it a shot. Worst, you know, worst case scenario, you try again next year, you know. So. Exactly. And then September 25th, we do have Outrun the Bear. Plenty of spots available for that. We are guaranteeing $1,500 to the top uh, bowler. We're paying out eight spots. Like to get it a little bit higher. I think we had 74 bowlers last time, and uh, we were able to pay $2,000 to the top spot. We also want to mention, shameless plug, we do have Mel's Commonwealth Cafe that's sponsoring the Outrun the Bear tournament. Uh, we're looking to get a few more sponsors, but that's out in Whalen. You've had breakfast over there, right? I have. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah, so check that out as well. I think that's all I have for September. I think we got to start flipping over to October at some yep. point soon yep. and seeing what they got going on there. But other than that, I think that's all I have. That's all I got. All right. Bob Lee, get well soon. 